Welcome to an episode of No Politics, Just Music. The aim of this show is to talk about albums, bands, and music more generally. I hope you enjoy expletives and foul language. Alright, hello. Um, today my guest is Conrad, a friend of mine from university, but I'll let him introduce himself. So how's it going, Conrad? It's going just fine, James. I'm happy to be here. Uh, happy to be called a friend. And uh, and now I'm remembering fondly all those, all that uh, discussion time we had back in, back in school. But um, above all, I'm, I'm happy to be putting on my uh, hoity-toity art discussion hat here, and uh, and try to talk about a couple of albums with you. Yep. So maybe it's worth mentioning that uh, Conrad normally runs his own podcast. Um, and he gave me the idea and blessing to go ahead with this. So we'll just quickly plug that if you want to comment. That's right. Yeah, if anybody likes uh, taking an, an, uh, an easy look at uh, international politics, crime, and terror, give us a listen. Show's called, show's called <laughs> Insecurity Theater. Give us a listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, your favorite uh, your podcasting hosting service of choice. I think that's important just so people realize that even with your better mic quality that I'm still the host of this podcast show. Um, so to get into it, um, you sent me the album Dirty Rice by Mad Caddies. Mm-hmm. So I've never heard of this band before. Um, I didn't know what to expect going into it. And knowing you, I was like, oh, this could be anything really my mind was like I have no idea what to expect um, so I played it really enjoyed it couldn't tell you the name of any songs on it however um, anything with horns on it is a good mm-hmm. is normally something I will enjoy particularly if it's mixed with um, guitar driven tracks so that was a bonus love a bit of ska music yeah um, and love a bit of punk so perfect well, I figured, uh, you know, I, I listened. I listened to Fat Freddy's Drop before I selected this, so I don't know if that's fair. But uh, but I figured it was going to be, if if the similarity, if there was going to be a genre preference for this week's show, that uh, we should be able to compare these because I could have sent you. You're right. I could have sent you anything, and the next time I just might. But um, but no, I happen to uh, I happen to find this group kind of late in my punk ska listening history because mm-hmm. you know i grew up in the u.s we had um some 41 blink 182 those types of pop punk groups and then uh ska groups real big fish less than jake that were popular around that time but less popular and the mad caddies never made it into a video game as far as i know there was no tony hawk entry with a mad caddies track though i would say that given their experimental nature, and I say that referring to the fact that each of their albums has a distinct flavor to it. So this one, Dirty Rice, really is quite inspired by like Louisiana Mardi Gras kind of big band, larger horn sections, uh, but it still has it still has their identity mixed into it. And if you listen to another album right afterwards, you'd question whether it was the same group at all. But um, but I thought you'd like it because I knew I knew it felt distinctly American, and I figured that that's something that you might not have 
experience too much of through you know the listening to the bands local to your region so it's interesting you say that um it's distinctly american because in my mind ska music is very british mm-hmm. um and i'm thinking of bands like the specials may like b-52s are they i'm mm-hmm. are they american or british now i don't even know now i think about it um i wouldn't be surprised if they're american now 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 i'm saying it out loud um <laughs> and oh, but there's a tv yeah. show i don't know if you know it it's about these guys have you seen the in-betweeners the british show about those guys trying to get laid i haven't okay this is like british beavis and butthead no it's it's just a very british show about four socially awkward teenagers who mm. have a very middle up, middle class upbringing and are trying to get girls like every okay, 17 year old like yeah exactly um so then this show that i'm thinking of is the exact same premise but then set in ancient rome and the reason why I mention it is because the soundtrack is solely ska music. Ah, uh, yep. Which is a strange way to create the atmosphere of ancient Rome. I mean, I could imagine it. I think I'd enjoy a show like that, you know, depending on a, a number of factors, I guess. But the, the juxtaposition is a good start. There is one episode where one of the guys sticks his fingers in a lion asshole. <laughs> so that's the kind of comedy we're going for. Yeah, hey, that's perfect. That's that's exactly my station. All right. So what got you into, well, you sort of mentioned what got you into Maycaddy's, but what yeah. kind of music do you normally listen to? Like? Well, it's drifted. I mean, that's, I was listening to some music today. Usually I listen to podcasts, uh, not my own, but uh, maybe this one that we're recording. I have just like a, an un- uncurated Spotify playlist and a lot of, this type of 90s ska punk music is is within that if i had to throw out some names let's see i'm actually I'm, besides the besides all the covers and i do love covers uh, what do i got here i've got mad caddies voodoo glow skulls which is a hit or miss for me of course blink 182 which almost counts i mean it's they have they have a little bit of a horn section in some of their tracks but they're not I wouldn't call I wouldn't describe them as a ska punk group. And then bands like Chunk No Captain Chunk. That's a that might be another one that, that you're not super familiar with. The only band that you've mentioned that I'm familiar with is Blink one eighty two. But we've got a how, lot of content then. Yeah, I was gonna say another. it shows how far apart we are on this one. <laughs> well, I'm just scrolling very, very quickly right now through a lot of garbage, if I'm gonna be perfectly honest. My my um Musical taste has gone downhill over time, as I've been exposed to deeper and deeper ironic comedic mashups and covers that that flip genres. It's not good. It's not good stuff. But uh, but I do enjoy it. And um, you know, a little aside here, just since I saw it, I am a genuine Smash Mouth fan. Okay. Of the, the group Smash Mouth, known from the 2001 animated uh, film Shrek, but <laughs> who actually had produced a an okay body of work prior to that time my first walkman or it was a knockoff walkman i don't remember i had a completely inappropriate couple of 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 albums that the content of which was was certainly not something that i would recommend for someone in the second or the third grade which is when i was listening to uh to i think the album fush you mang was uh was one of them on cassette 
on cassette on a, on a cassette I'm, I'm i'm quite serious about that and i actually kept those tapes for a while didn't keep the uh didn't keep the player of course because once i got a compact disc player i'm like oh you can skip next to to the beginning of the next song it's revolutionary and well now look at where we are i, I still remember playing around with cassettes as well and like i'm sure most kids or well, most people our age we have memories of like recording songs off the radio oh yeah or like compiling. piracy yeah yeah exactly i mean we certainly rang up and got the the rights to do that right uh yeah you know we just called call our industry contacts first of course before pressing record on that uh machine but no of course we do all kinds of things and i i even had this toy piano that had a very very amateur quality microphone attached to it but you hold that up to a to a, a radio and you can listen to the worst quality uh recording of your favorite song that doesn't start at the beginning and probably doesn't end at the end it doesn't matter when you're doing it no way because you just enjoy doing it oh yeah and when you're that young everything's just the fact that it works at all that's i remember that but but no yeah back to the mad caddies i guess I started listening to them just a few years ago, so all of the memories I have attached to these tracks are from uh, my more recent period of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first one that I heard, which is from the first one that I heard recently, was Brand New Scar, the first track on this album, uh, which is about a guy who screws up, and I think that uh, I think that, that theme of kind of regret carries through the entire album though i'll be honest with you i only like a select few tracks enough to listen to them regularly uh but hopefully that one that that first track made an impression on you yeah so i've listened to the album twice now i remember thinking after the first time i listened to it oh this was a really cool album with a lot of scar influence in it and then i remember Mm -hmm. halfway through the second listen just earlier today and i was like oh there's a lot more punk in this album than I remember, and it became a bit like the Scar influence just came a bit uh, stronger, I guess, throughout the last half of the album. Mm-hmm. But because I also find it interesting, you say that um, there's only a select few songs that you listen to that you wouldn't skip. Because well, for, for me, it feels like a very coherent body of work. So here's where you can see my dedication to music as a consumer. Uh, which is to say that I have all, I, I cannot remember the last time that I listened to an album cover to cover. It's just not the way that I've ever consumed music. Oh, okay. I'm, I th- kind of throw it all into one playlist and just hit next until I feel like I hit something I liked. Right. Uh, which I know sounds horrible, I'm sure. That's, that's like, I don't know, it's like taking a razor blade to the Mona Lisa. <laughs> but, but I can tell you that I guess my opinion of an album is really based on the number of tracks that I would mix into my the 500 or so songs I have on general random repeat. Right. I, I think that's fair. I, for a long time, would sort of maybe... Well, no, I'd, if I heard a song that I liked, then I would skip through the album and find all the songs that I liked and then put them into mm-hmm. a playlist. And I only really stopped doing that uh, maybe while I was studying in Groningen um, because mm-hmm. then... I just wanted to listen to an album while I was studying and then I wouldn't have to worry about what song I was listening to for 40 40 minutes to an hour and then I would have Mm -hmm. a nice little break to choose another album and then keep studying. Um, And since then, 
now that I'm stuck working from home, um, and the brilliant thing is you have control over the music you listen to. But since mid-April, mid-April, yeah, mid-April, I've listened to 298 albums the whole way through. Oh my! So that, that I mean, I said to Hugo as well. That was sort of the where this project started a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or the podcast is an extension of the the spreadsheet. And so now I'm accumulating more and more music, but I've got to the point where I've exhausted all the bands that I know, and Spotify isn't a great tool for discovering new music. And so mm. I need people and friends to give me new music. And now I've got a podcast to do it on. That's that's very creative problem solving, I would say. And I agree that all of these services that, that use artificial intelligence to try to predict what it is that you like Really, they're quite conservative. They don't they don't send you out into left field, or when they do, for me, it's a complete miss. Yeah, I think that's the problem. Like, I agree, they're so conservative. Occasionally, they'll take a risk, and you're like, nah, you just got it wrong every time. Mm-hmm. And yet, we keep paying them. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to buy 298 albums because that would cost a lot. Of course. Uh, and uh, Napster probably doesn't still exist in in, in its old form, <laughs> but uh, Lars Ulrich has shut that down. No, actually, another aside here, uh, the music industry really shot itself in the foot when they tried to price individual tracks at 99 cents a piece because you know, the richest person on earth can't afford to to fill out their uh, their musical library legally in that way. It's just, it's, it's unimaginable. So streaming for whatever it is, five euros, something like that per month for one service, provided that they have a decent uh, selection of music hosted on it is an infinitely better and more economical answer for people like us anyway i just wish that that their ai wasn't so bad yeah i mean i stopped relying on it because if you click on fans also like on the foo fighters Mm. you'll get every band that sounds as close to the foo fighters as possible i mean dave grohl himself has spoken about how bad that is he wants to hear different kind of music but at the same time, all the music is in one place, and it's pretty convenient. It really is, and you don't have to you don't have to carry a bunch of storage with you, whether it's discs or or large capacity flash storage module. Either way, you can you can stream this stuff, and that's very convenient. But this isn't a podcast about streaming music. Or shitting on. Spotify. I will tell you. I will. I will promise you that the next time I send you an album, it's not going to be. It's nothing that would ever have been recommended to you through any of these platforms but I, I figured i'd start out with one that's that's relatively listenable yeah i think that's a good place to start um yeah and so the the last thing i would like to talk about with this album is we mentioned it briefly um you saw this as a very distinctly american album mm-hmm. do you want to elaborate on that yeah well i mean i'm i'm more familiar with 90s ska punk third wave stuff which i associate with the u.s quite heavily i know of the of the origins and I know of like the British British originated ska bands but for me this is this is what ska music sounds like the fact that the majority of this album has let's say Cajun sound to it only slightly but enough that you notice it is what separates it from an album that could have been recorded anywhere else either actually in the Caribbean or somewhere in Europe or uh, the UK now that we make that distinction and it's it's not a sound it's not a set of sounds that gets very much integration in the wider 
uh, American music scene. Because, you know, certainly Louisiana is known for its music, but it's known for its own kind of jazz and big band and, and genres like that that you wouldn't necessarily go to see a performance on the coasts or even in the rest of the middle of the U.S. It's very localized and it doesn't usually mix well in my experience or maybe my lack of experience with other more marketable genres. So that's what kind of makes this specific album by a band that I already like that much more interesting as a as kind of American fusion album between California ska punk and Louisiana big band. Yeah. So maybe I got a bit confused by that Louisiana sound because for me if I think of American music I think of bands from the east coast and they have if I hear a band or someone tells me from the east coast of North America I'll be like oh yeah that makes mm-hmm. sense a band from the west coast also sounds like oh yeah that's a band from the west coast yep Chicago sometimes but it's not as big Texas and Tennessee also sort of like have mm-hmm. their own music scene and a lot of that stuff does make it out as well um, but Louisiana everyone thinks of the blues and they think of the south but there's not a lot yeah. of blues music coming out these days at least not into the mainstream right not at our ears uh, and certainly all of these genres still have you know if you were to go to these places you would see a, a vibrant and living scene for you know each of these musical styles you just wouldn't necessarily hear it outside the range of their radio stations which is a shame yeah yeah so that's why i like a little bit of that mixed in with something like this which otherwise sounds like a lot of other american punk and uh, and punk ska yeah i remember listening to one song i was like oh, it just sounds like the offspring and i do i do enjoy a, a good offspring i uh, do nothing wrong with the offspring so i think that's a good segue into talking about the album i sent you um, yeah fat freddy's drop based on a true story which is mm-hmm. a very stereotypical uh, new zealand album so that's all right let me let me start there so i have no familiarity with music that would come out of new zealand at all the fact that what, what would i call this that a a reggae album well, a reggae fusion album like this that that crosses a couple of genres would come from New Zealand at all uh, was surprising to me for a moment before I remembered the Commonwealth exists and that culture is pretty cross-compatible across the Anglosphere so that would explain the influence and the popularity but I noticed that it's distinctly not a Caribbean reggae not like the little bit that I'm more familiar with which I guess you could point to a Bob Marley but that's a very a very plain example and the fact that I can't name a second uh, reggae a reggae artist that doesn't have the last name Marley right now <laughs> speaks to my my lack of familiarity with the genre as a whole but uh, but this did give me it gave me some interesting feelings and I'm I went through track by track not that we have to but to, to give you the, the broad strokes here, it felt very nautical, and that's not only because the album art is, is a nautical scene, you could say, but that there were a lot of, a lot of the horns that sounded a bit like, uh, like a boat's horn, like they were trying to go for that type of sound. Uh, 
uh, Fog. The album sounded like some. It took influence from time spent at a pier. Right. Okay. Um, it had a lot of echoes. It had a lot of a change in the beat or the chord progression or something like that throughout the track, especially in the later tracks, where there was some, I don't want to say inconsistency because that sounds bad, but some variation in the way that the tracks were constructed. And the whole album just felt a little bit melancholy to me. I don't know if you got that as well. Yeah, so this album tied up in a lot of different things for me because it came out in 2005 when I was 11 or something like that. Mm. And I remember Wandering Eye, if you know the song, is mm-hmm. that was the lead single. And they, because I think it's a nine minute track on the album, they cut it down to a mm. radio edit of like five minutes 30 or something like <laughs> this. But it, because well, there's nine tracks on the album, but I think it runs well over an hour. They're, they're yeah, long it's, songs. it's a long album. And they're long songs. Um, mm-hmm. So you can cut it down. For me, it loses a bit because I think you get lost in the songs, and I like that. But so I remember listening to it and liking it when I was 11 years old. But it, I think it was just too complex for me. And then most people in New Zealand around me at the time were more listening to. So the Offspring was actually one of the bands that really got me into music. Yeah. And our friends. And then there was more ACDC, Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, that sort of classic rock stuff, which is distinctly different from this. And then the album, when I moved up to Wellington in well, 2014, it got tied up a lot with s- summer. It being tied up with summer is also being tied up with Christmas in New Zealand. So uh, for me, this is a very Christmassy album, huh. which is not, I think, how anyone would describe it. I mean, I, I wrote six times in my notes that this is what would happen to Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails if he grew up on an island, because that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of sound that I got from it. And I am an, a Nine Inch Nails fan, but to hear some of the stylistic peculiarities of Nine Inch Nails, especially kind of that sadness yeah. put into put into a really kind of coastal reggae like this. I thought was very interesting. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't call it Christmassy, but we do come from different hemispheres. <laughs> yep. So I think it's important to talk a little bit about the history of music in New Zealand, because that might explain why it sounds the way it does. So, and we can talk about politics as well, because kind of because well, that's what we know about. So, before 1983, New Zealand was essentially the only command economy in the West. There was very strict import and export controls. Um, you know, if you wanted to go on holiday, you had to apply to a department to get foreign currency. Right? This is the kind of controls we're talking about on um, import and export. If you wanted to import anything, you had to get an import license. And so New Zealand music, one, because of that sort of, I don't know, break with the rest of the world, that isolation, but then also the very physical isolation as well, because we are a long way away from everything down there, meant that New Zealand music was sort of doing weird things in the 50s and 60s and 70s that just weren't happening in other places and a lot of it was incorporation of horns and stuff horns are big band instruments but not in a scar sense or anything like that it's really hard to describe mm-hmm. and then at some point in the 70s bob marley came to new zealand and did one show and from that one show you can trace so much influence of reggae oh wow so that's where i think this kind of weird melancholy and strange sounds meets 
reggae and you end up with this kind of dub roots sound mm-hmm. generally what they call it it's uh, this is probably the best example of it but i could give you five or six albums that sound very very similar from different artists now did because uh, you mentioned politics and and politics certainly shaped the formation of the genre of music but i know that reggae is a very political musical genre and i got a little bit of that from the lyrics but only a tiny little bit of what would i how would i describe this of uh like liberation kind of politics that every other reggae song i've ever heard of is is completely stuffed full of yeah some presence here but not that much no the, the reason i brought up politics was more to explain why new zealand yeah. was isolated not only geographically I, I don't think politics comes into this too much i think you're right in saying that there are very much that sort of peace and love elements to it that mm-hmm. you find in every reggae album but this one i also agree has a bit more melancholy and sadness to it and a lot of the album feels quite resigned mm-hmm. um and then there's a few songs roadie is a good example where it gets in my mind at least quite funky yeah i in my notes for roadie i wrote uh the intro sounds like ed ed and eddie if you've ever seen that <laughs> yeah yep I, I picked that up from that which i really enjoyed i mean it's Nervous again. Nervous isn't the right word, but uh, dynamic in its uh, in its beat and and in the the sequence of the parts of this song. <laughs> I also wrote, I would listen to this track, which I've explained earlier. Uh, what that means is I I would mix this in with with all of the other music, the big glob of music that I listened to. I said a lot of the rest of the album gave me anxiety, just right. a tiny little bit of. Which is, you know, I think that's understandable. That doesn't mean necessarily that it's bad, of course. But but many of the earlier tracks are, they are anxious. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the piano intro on the very first song, Ernie. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's weird, and then you have the, is it a wobble board or something in the background? Oh, there were some, uh, some effects in some of these tracks, like some very 1980s arcade sounds and these very synthesized like very um very primitive synthesizing sounds that you would have gotten in any uh any pop song in the 80s but used here to build to build some kind of image of the past well it might have just been new zealand in 2005 Uh, (laughs) that's what they had yeah after all the import export uh restrictions they had one synthesizer between them yeah and it was Fat Freddy drops turn with it, you know? <laughs> so hey, they're like, we've got to make the most of this. How can we cram this in? I, I think there's a bit of that, maybe not so much with this album, but definitely earlier music in New Zealand. Um, and it was just like, things would come into the, the country and we're like, how do people use this? And so we would just use it in a way we thought other people used it. A great example yeah. of this in a non-music sense is pizza only really made it to new zealand in the 70s or 80s the true story oh, i mean mm. people knew of pizza but there was no like um pizza restaurants there was very few italian people in new zealand um, Not just like the u.s they run our pizza restaurants all the time well apparently the best pizza in the world is made by albanians in new york <laughs> um but i'm getting off topic um so we knew of pizza but we also didn't really have pasta in new zealand until about the same time and mm. then you may be familiar with it in the UK as well. You get like pasta in a can and a tomato sauce, kind of like baked oh, beans. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, I am familiar. And so we were like, in New Zealand, we are like, well, pizza's Italian and spaghetti is Italian, but the spaghetti we had was the stuff in the can. So we are like, well, Italian people must put that on their pizza as a sort of base. <laughs> um, and I'm not joking, you can go look at, I think it must have happened in 2018? No, I lied, 2016, the Prime Minister, then Prime Minister of New Zealand, Bill English, made a pizza with tin spaghetti on it. I can, I can only imagine the international incident oh, that, yeah, that would was, arise. Some Italian people were not happy with us. Oh, no. Especially because he put a pineapple on it as well, so it was already divisive oh. enough. But yeah, the the Pacific is is just Pacific pizza is no man's land. Yeah. And I am a fan of pineapple. I mean, say say what you will on a pizza, but um, but I mean it's it's contextual. You know, if you're in Hawaii and you have uh, ham and pineapple around, and you want to make a pizza, you make it out of that. Or spam, which is still a delight, I suppose, if you're Hawaiian. I can tolerate it, but I'm not a huge fan. But I can understand why all these things would make their way into uh, into the cuisine, and I can I can see why maybe a fundamental misunderstanding of Italian cuisine is what led to putting spaghettios on uh, <laughs> on a pizza. Yeah, um, and putting a synthesizer into uh, yeah. <laughs> into I mean, that's the point. It's just like, oh, this is how we think other people use it, so this is how we're going to use it. Oh, but that's great. That's very organic growth. It's kind of like if you give a monkey a machine gun, and <laughs> you'll figure out how to. To figure out something to do with it eventually right uh, i would say that i i appreciate the i appreciate that the formation the fact that you can track this growth in a way based on its peculiarities that way where a musical musical region like the u.s is a lot more mixed up and you see a lot more competition from styles that are more popular which bump out ones that are a little bit maybe more creative so that's why i uh that's why whenever i do listen to ska music i prefer prefer it from non-primary regions in that way i think that uh i think you get some a lot of you get a lot of really um really creative ideas that kind of muscle their way into it yeah i can see that i i think um New Zealand music is a bit more coherent in that, maybe coherent isn't the right word, more similar, but that's just down to the fact there's only 4 million people, 5 million people in New Zealand now, versus what, 300 million in the US. Right, and they all have to share one synthesizer, so. Yeah, exactly. And, because New Zealand, it's not, for the amount of people it's quite big, it's about, about the same size as Colorado. Mm-hmm. But I think Colorado even has 10 million people in it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. They got a couple of big cities. So you know, we're not even like Colorado is not really seen as a densely packed state, and we're half of that. So mm. <laughs> you know, there's just not enough people around to have these very, very distinct musical scenes. And saying that though, in the North Island, you have this more dub reggae root stuff, more influence mm-hmm. from the Pacific, like Fiji, um, yep. stuff like that, and. Then in the South Island, there's quite a big death metal scene, and dubstep. Oh, we could do a me- we could do a death metal uh, album sometimes as, as well. Not that I know much about it, but but I mean that does go to show you, I suppose, that that there's a bridge, right? Yeah. Like between the islands, that bridge. No, is no, really no, 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 sorry, no, there's no bridge. There's a metaphorical bridge, but no, no. Okay, bridge. right. Yeah, the, the the divide between those two rocks is. Uh, it sounds like a pretty significant. Like there's some some significant cultural difference 
between one island and the other. Um, yeah, I think because the South Island only has eight hundred thousand people in it, and the North Island has the other four million essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main big city, Auckland, is in the North Island. The capital is in the North Island, and so there's only one really big city. Well, big four hundred thousand people uh, yep. in the South Island. So I think it's more that well, you know anyone who immigrates to New Zealand goes to the North Island. It's only really the Scottish um, settlers who came in the 1800s who were still in the South Island. That explains a little bit. So I feel like this is wrapping up a little bit. So to wrap it up, mm-hmm. the way I've envisaged, envisaged this podcast series is that this part is where we try and convince the other person why the album we sent... Jesus Christ, I'm getting mixed up here. The album I sent you is a great album. And, but in your case, you don't really have to do that with me because I just really enjoy this album. I well, that's almost unfortunate. Uh-huh. I guess, well, in that case, I'll, I'll try to talk you out of it because it is a bit, it is a bit poppy. I mean, they don't take a lot of, besides, besides the Cajun influence, they don't take a lot of musical risks in, in the Mad Caddies. I would say that I really appreciate the, what appears to me like risk-taking that the Fat Freddy's Drop put in. But, uh, but I, wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to this album again. No? except for one or two tracks that I would just throw into anything else. It's, um, it's a very long, very sad journey, which is cool once, <laughs> maybe. Like watching a really tragic film where all of the significant characters die off before the end. Yeah. It's not, it's not really, um, it's not very hype music, you know, it, so it, it doesn't necessarily mix well within like, a, like a, uh, going to the gym, uh, which is where I, I consume a lot of my music. But what I could be sold on is, and I kind of expanded on this earlier, different ska and reggae little developments that took place around the world outside of the obvious centers, outside of London and Jamaica and parts of the U.S. And so as a, not as an oddity, but you know what I mean, as a a unique application of you know, not only old technology into an into a genre that usually doesn't have it but also you know storytelling from what's probably a very personal and and sad history that the songwriter may have had based on the effect of the music i would say that this is a uh, this is an in, a, a very interesting piece of art and that's to me better than something that's poppy and and ultra listenable i can see where you're coming from for me, like I could listen to this album every day, and sometimes I do. But while it is quite melancholic, for me it also is associated with Christmas, which is obviously a happy time. So I know oh, that. Oh, geez, it's... well that's debatable. Well, yeah, you're right. Um... I don't know. You ever read Catcher in the Rye? Have I read Catcher in the was... Rye? Yes. That made Christmas a very unenjoyable time, at least for the the, the character. What was his name? Little shithead. I can't remember. Caulfield. Yeah. And J.D. Salinger was from my state, a little bit of trivia. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I don't like that story. And it depicts kind of like a really a really empty and cold Christmas. And I I could I could feel a little bit of that if if you I was to associate this album with Christmas. Yeah. It's a feeling that you have to be in the mood for. Except you're on a beach having a barbecue because it's I was gonna say twenty five degrees it probably means nothing to you. Not well, it does now. Okay. But, uh, All right. You catching up with this, um, the Celsius? Dude? Yeah, I'm starting to forget Fahrenheit. Makes it a little hard to hard <laughs> to talk to 
folks back home. Right. But uh, are you disappointed with that? That you are forgetting Fahrenheit? No, no, no. That uh, that I didn't feel about the same way about this album that you'd have. Uh, no, I don't expect people to feel the same way as I do about an album that's been in my life for 15 years. I think that's a stretch. What I am glad... I think I chose a good album for you if it evoked an emotional response. Yeah, it's good art. I think that's yeah exactly what art should do. And if it does that and you enjoyed listening to it once, I'll call it a success. Good. Um, I'll look forward to uh, I'll look forward to further expanding my uh, so musical experiences. On that note, do you want to recommend an album before we go? Oh geez, can we do goofy comedic mashups? Yeah, of course. I'm gonna have to surprise you. I think I can't. Uh, I think I can't point to one just yet at this time. But uh, but I have a couple of them in mind. I'm I, I'm going to recommend the Skints, which is a London-based ska reggae band as well. Their album Part and Parcel from 2013, phenomenal. But I'll give it a listen. Very much and um, the East London vibe rather than uh, New Zealand or Southern US states vibe. You know, I'm going to try to pick something that we can compare and contrast for that as well. Even if it's, even if I'm cheating based on the rules of your game. <laughs> well, rules are meant to be game, right? Ah, of course. Exactly. That's why they make them. I think we may not understand the point of rules, but that's another discussion. <laughs> that sure is. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thanks for joining me today, Conrad. Uh, it's been an enjoyable chat. That was a ton of fun. Thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to the next time. All right. Cool.